This presentation is from Design Research 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Let me introduce our first two speakers, Scott and Anita from ANZ. We'll be talking about the challenges of scaling a design research practice um, based on their experiences at ANZ and other places. Please join me in welcoming Scott and Anita. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Scott. And my name's Anita. Uh, we work for ANZ in the Digital Customer Experience Team. Um, today, our talk is called um, From Little Things, Big Things Grow, Scaling a Design Research Practice. Firstly, a quick question. I wanted you, if you could, to raise your hands if you do more research than design. Great, interesting. And what about if you're here and you do more design than research? Great. Okay, well... This is really interesting. Um, we're going to work with those two worlds. Um, we also realise that um, uh, you might come from a different enterprise to ours. So we do work for a large enterprise at ANZ. You might be from a much smaller one with smaller UX teams or design teams um, but, or a startup. But hopefully some of the learnings of what we're going to talk about today might be really relevant to you and your practice and if you need to scale design research. Working in a big enterprise comes with its advantages, but also its challenges, and so we'll share some of that with you today. Um, but we believe what we've learnt might be really helpful. Uh, what we're going to talk about is a retrospective. We're kind of in the... Um, we're not at the pinnacle of our mountain. We're somewhere getting towards there. And it's an honest reflection of what worked and what didn't, um, and things that we might not do again if we embarked on this journey. Um, and where we'd like to take it from here in the future. So we'll talk a bit about Basecamp, um, the old world, where research was done way too late and um, not at all, or um, right at the end of projects. Um, impacts of doing it that way, realisation that we really needed to, to change the way that we did things, particularly as our CX team scaled. And then we'll talk about climbing, so reconfiguring our th thinking um, Restrategizing how we could utilise our resources and maybe onboard our designers into the research practice. And the things that we had in our control that we could change, so things like resources, um, onboarding our designers, um, money, mindsets, possibly. Um, and then thirdly, we'll talk about um, our continuous customer insight program that we implemented and we emerged, we've just emerged from a soft launch, so we've, we'll talk about our processes, our mindsets, um, money, um, and what a tough year it actually has been doing this, but uh, it's a bit of a stock take. So what we've achieved importantly in our learnings. Um, so I'll just hand over to Anita. So this is our lovely digital customer experience team, and this is how we were composed of one year ago. Um, so. Our team, enthusiastic, eager, and ever willing to learn and try new things. So that was a good start for us. Um, it predominantly consisted of um, designers, uh, and both from the user experience and visual design uh, perspective. Um, and there was two re researchers, two dedicated researchers, so that's Scott and myself. Um, and at the time, uh, we were servicing three major channels, our dot-com channel, the mobile banking channel and our internet banking channel. 
we, we underwent uh, through th two major redesign projects, both in the um, internet banking, sorry, in the mobile banking space and our dot-com space. So there's quite a bit, lots happening there. And I guess uh, at any given point of time, there was at least two or three projects that we were kind of handling. Um, so for us, uh, servicing 19 designers, two major redesign projects, uh, three projects at any given time, was a bit of a chaotic time. You know, we often got pulled um, saying, hey, we want to do a usability, research, usability test on a mobile bank, uh, you know, a car loan application, or let's do a um, discovery-style research on uh, omnichannel banking. And so you'd kind of do that, and you say, okay, when do you want it? And it was almost every time it was always yesterday. We wanted it yesterday, so you run and you do that, and you deliver it, and you don't know whether those insights are incorporated in design. You don't know what the impact is because you're already moving to the next research piece, right? And uh, sort of barely keeping our heads above the water, and we had to use um, agency to augment our, um, our capacity. Now, that's not a bad thing, but it's just so hard to balance. Um, usability test, a simple usability test, would take us 17 days from start to finish, and that included getting budget, recruitment, you know, getting the prototypes. So it was a very long time when we, from the time we got customers to the time an insight was produced. Finding space was a hit and miss for us. We didn't have a dedicated uh, space for us. So it was always a constant moving target. And so the people at the concierge team became our best friends because they told us, oh, there's this room available and you can grab this room. So it was a really hard time to kind of balance all these important aspects of research. And then after all that, the, um, the actual test day was, was no better itself. And, that, and what you see here is an actual setup of what things were like in 2016. So we have a laptop, we have cameras uh, capturing the, the customer, the device, there's a camera uh, looking at the device, there's dongles, there's, pre, you know, there's Wi-Fi, so many elements. And so rather than concentrating on the actual research, often we're just praying to the technology gods, please let everything work, nothing happen, and let's not scare the customer. Um, and so with this kind of environment, and we had all these other external forces coming to us, you know, there was this uh, applied on top of this was, hey, we're going to move into uh, continuous delivery. There's Agile being introduced. You need to keep up with us. Provide the uh, research within the sprint. You know, you've got to deliver as, at the same cadence. Um, there, was an, uh, there was a need um, for the number of projects to be increased, uh, the, the number of projects touched by research in some form, because at this stage, it was very an ad hoc environment. Um, and, uh, and then when you did get the research, you know, cut down the insights time to design. We need it straight away. Um, so, and then as well, there was the money part, you know, reduce the money, reduce the dependency and agency. So really, it was, it was clear that we couldn't continue, just the two of us, servicing all this. There's far more demand than supply, and we had to do something really different. Um, and so what do we do? I mean, we had this vision. We didn't know how to get there, but we had this vision where um, we move from this disconnected world where we're kind of reacting and doing these things um, just you know, ad hoc to a more um, connected environment, to a place where it was not last minute, that we had a steady stream and people didn't need to stress about, oh, let's do this research. And there was so much of planning, but something that could 
it could almost you know, satisfy the immediate needs of the, uh, the, the, the projects and, and the sprints that were required. Uh, we didn't want researchers, we didn't want research, because there was a lot of research being done, but a lot of times this research was done. It was sitting on people's um, you know, hard drives, and it was very much siloed. And uh, worse still, it was often duplicated. So the same research, because no one knew that previous research was done, was, pre was, was being redone. And so our vision was to create more of a holistic approach where it was more connected and we could progressively build upon research over research. So let's talk about um, our climbing. So we really had um, no option but to amplify our research practice. But we needed to work with basically the same people, a lot of the same systems and um, money and vendors. Um, we started off with the things that were in our control. Um, but really... Um, that could influence our scale and our research capacity. So, <laughs> along came CCI, <laughs> which is Continuous Customer Insights. So that was born out of a strategy that Anita and I worked upon. It was really about um, a designer-led research program, so utilising our people power of our designers. And it was composed, really, of a regular, um, ongoing, scheduled research um, program, so a moving train of research, and a flexible way to um, increase customer exposure, um, increase regular insight and increase collaboration, and to fit in with um, our move to continuous delivery. But one of the first things we had to deal with is what is the capability of our design team? So our starting point was looking at our design pool and actually also looking at the inclination or desire for our designers to do this. Um, so, uh, and just to put it into context, we're talking about UX designers and visual designers. We also knew that we had a really big variety of people who came from different levels of experience. So people who come from agencies had a lot of exposure to doing everything themselves, um, research and design. And then really junior people who'd not done anything before. Um, so for our design team, it meant a really big change, and we didn't want to impose this on them without getting some insight ourselves. Um, so our previous interactions, Anita and I had had, was more through shadowing, um, or our designers shadowing us, so bringing them into sessions as we facilitated or as we did research. Um, so we knew that we had some kind of key champions there, so we started there with those people and introduced a soft launch program, one channel at a time, to onboard them. Um, we did a really interesting survey, though, to start with. We used a bit of design research on our designers. So we wanted to ask them how confident they felt about doing some of these research, design research tasks and also the areas that they felt they needed more in um, skill and improvement or experience in. So we had some really interesting insights around that. And the number one thing that most people felt confident doing was observation and note-taking. And it is, does seem like a bit of a no-brainer, it, it is a low barrier to entry, but when you, we also asked a follow-up question. It was the number one thing that our designers felt they needed to learn more about. So we feel like when they get to synthesizing or doing it properly or correctly or in a standardized way, that's where it falls down and they need more assistance. So we had an area of focus immediately to start with. Um, <clears throat> but we had a lot of positive attitude and a lot of enthusiasm from our team to do this. The other thing that we asked was, what role do you think that you might play in the design research process, or how do you see yourself being involved? And we had this really interesting, I haven't put the percentages up here, but it was pretty much even thirds of the pie chart. 
in terms of I want to run research end to end, or I want to facilitate, or I want to be involved in research, but um, not necessarily lead or facilitate. So we had a mix of desire, and that was like a healthy beginning as well for us. Um, so then we needed to look at identifying what actually can work in, the, in this way. So what are the components of design research that we think the CCI is appropriate for? We had to look at the time constraints. We had to look at um, techniques and research experience of our designers. What was best fitted? And it seemed that it's best fitted for the tactical or the evaluative. So the things that we intended this to work for is regular concept testing, usability testing, low fidelity, um, testing, um, uh, card sorts, lightweight. It was, it's designed to be lightweight, repetitive in nature, and to answer frequent questions that are coming out of sprints. So against that, we also have this need for the, the big, traditional, ambiguous, ongoing, strategic work that's not suitable for this light-scale um, CCO program. But because the scale is large, and it's... Um, you know, the scale of that is large and it's going for a longer period of time. So we weren't going to try and shoehorn any of that in there. But we wanted it to really work with continuous delivery and what was happening in sprints in digital. So the other thing um, that we might think about and that's really emerging at ANZ is um, this bigger picture of the human-centred design process. And um, when you think about it, CCI is much more suitable for this second diamond. So where we're doing things like... Um, testing concepts, prototyping and delivering, so optimising designs towards delivery. Because it is iterative, it's bite-sized, um, it can be contained and it's kind of micro in scale. So while researchers, um, while CCI might be working well for this part of the diamond, we potentially could free up our headspace to work on some of the more strategic, bigger pieces that had more ambiguity. Great. Um, so now that we had uh, defined that there was an interest uh, among designers to take up research, um, and that was a great start for us because uh, that's the key, because uh, uh, you need players to, to play with you, and so that was great. Um, so the thing then we decided was, okay, a lot of the stuff that we do is often in our heads. Like we know we have to um, you know, do your, your research brief and you write your goals and all these sort of steps that we think that comes to us naturally. If you had to get uh, designers who, who, who are very concentrating on you know, the design world and then try and bring them into the research world, what can you do to make it easier for them? And we knew the world that we were operating in wasn't easy for the designers just to come in and pick it up. So, as Scott said before, we didn't have a lot of other resources to do, but we had to work with what we had. And the three areas we decided to tackle because um, these were the things in our control. Um, and setting up a designer-led research was new ground for us. So we thought, okay, what are the things that we can do now to make things easy for them? And the three areas we tackled were process, place, and budget. And uh, in terms of process, um, the main area we looked at was everything starting from getting customers through the door, which was around access to customers, defining what was the pace at which the CCI could take. Because, again, we're t we are plucking our designers from their design world, from the sprint into a research world. What's the cadence that's, that's at, a, at, at the right level? Um, what are the templates, getting things done, getting it simplified enough so that someone coming from a different world can basically follow things? Uh, and this included things like uh, recruitment briefs, um, research briefs, 
templates, vastly simplifying, standardizing it so that it was a much more uh, seamless process. And then we also spent a lot of time, we found we spent a lot of time with designers in terms of analyzing data because this was such an ambiguous area and it was kind of hard to put in you know, rules and, and it was kind of, because it's, it's very messy and we tended out, we found that having, um, providing a lot more support there helped the designers. So let's go step by step. The first thing we did was trying to simplify recruitment. And um, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, in the old world, it would take us 17 days before the first customer walked through the door. And if we had to run at a cadence where we were more matching the cadence of the sprints, this just couldn't work. And um, we're trying to build a cadence that matches the continuous research. So there's you know, uh, fortnightly uh, sprints. We had, to, we had to kind of match that. And the big thing that dawned on us is that if we don't have access to a steady stream of representative customers, then basically we're doomed from the start. So that was absolutely a critical point where we had to get customers through the door. And if we wanted to get designers in, we had to simplify this process. Um, and uh, there was a lot of work done behind talking to our legal department, trying to get them to understand what are we trying to achieve here. And it took a lot of hard, a lot of long conversations. And I guess the biggest breakthrough we had was when one of our legal representatives really understood it and, and had to actually create an, an agreement, a, a sort of a legal agreement with the vendors that was never previously done in ANZ, but because she completely understood it, that set uh, the foundation for us to add more things. And so once we had that agreement with vendors to have a blanket arrangement for them to provide customers, we then went on to the next part is how do we simplify the, the recruitment brief? And we had three things happening for us. So we, had, we knew the channels. We knew that uh, the channels we were going to service. We knew that it was CCI, so it was um, bite-sized research. And so for us, what we did is we, we, we created pre-approved re recruitment briefs, so essentially generic briefs for each channel. And that was easy for the agency because they could predict what kind of customers they, knew they were going to recruit for. So every Wednesday, they would know that, okay, these are the kind of customers this particular uh, channel needs. And for the designer, it made it easier because in most cases, they just r triggered off that generic brief until or unless that research required a change in the generic brief. So really just standardizing it. But in terms of the actual tangible benefit, and because we wanted to get the, the insights to design time down, we were able to shave off 10 days off that whole process just by doing that. The next thing we tackled then was the cadence. Um, so we are dealing with designers embedded in uh, project teams. I mean, stakeholders are worried that we're taking them out of the, the, the sprint cycle. And um, what we thought was um, we'd, we'd, get, we'd, we'd tackle it at a per-week basis. And our underlying philosophy really was think small, think iterative. And we adopted the Nielsen model of five customers. And so this is what you see here is, is typically what would happen in a research week. And so the pay, on a Monday, we have a paid pilot. We actually paid for a representative customer to come and do the pilot with the, with the designers. Um, and so this is where they would test the prototype, the methodology, the questions, was it understood? And then day two, which is Tuesday, they had enough time to go back and uh, change the prototype, change the moderation guide. It was also a time when the team, the designers, would, would have a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a sharing knowledge because 
they, would, um, they might be two designers doing the research, and the team members would do the observation and note-taking. So from, uh, for people who are taking the, note, uh, the note-takers, it was important because they needed to understand what the goals of that research were, and as they were taking notes, what, what do they have to look for? Right? So it was really a tight-knit uh, setup. Um, and then day three, which is Wednesday, is a packed day. You have five customers coming in from nine to five. Uh, with probably, at best, a half an hour break in between. So a really packed day, and for that reason, the pilot was extremely important because this is the time where everything was ironed out. So this was actually a non-negotiable um, element of this. So we had expert designers often say, expert you know, designers saying, oh, I don't need a pilot, and we're like, no, it's not, because if you get anything wrong here, then the, the risk of getting every of all that impacting all five was quite high, so we really paid a lot of importance for the pilot. Um, and then day five was getting the team back, the, the observers and the note-takers and the facilitators to do analysis, and um, day, sorry, day four and day five was reporting and close out. Uh, so for us, it was this sort of continuous process, and really uh, for, the, for the team to understand that, um, you know, they could uh, come in there concentrate on research and, and for about, it worked out to about three or four days effort in that one week period. So scale that across a month, um, it was a rotational basis, so channel one would do it week one, channel two would do it week two, and then, so basically channel one would do it and then come back you know, in three weeks time and redo that, they'd have, they'd have their spot on CCI. Now what we're showing here today is just the minimal, so we've had months where this was much more you know, this was, this was just the minimal amount of, of one CCI per week. We've had instances where we'd had three or four CCIs, but at a very minimal level, this is what can happen. Uh, uh, so that was cadence, um, and uh, I guess in terms of effort for, for researchers, uh, design, uh, designers who's become researchers, it was a rotational basis, so the effort of getting out of a design sprint uh, wasn't, wasn't arduous. So now that we've done the, um, the recruitment and the cadence, we then moved on to the checklist. And this is the part where I said we were trying to get everything in our heads into a checklist. Um, and that was a challenge because designers you know, are in the middle of um, thinking of you know, what, 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 the interaction, they're thinking of you know, the devices they're dealing with. There's a lot going on before they kind of plonk into this, this research world. So we had to make sure that they have a real timed approach. So tell me two weeks before what I need to do so I can be ready on the day. And so this was this timed approach model. We also had the tasks that were, that were per, per time, and it was a checkbox sort of style. So we had this, um, we had this model where uh, research can be done by multiple designers. And so basically a designer, one designer would do that, and so I've, I've ticked off task one, two, three, and the other person can do it. So it's a shared, um, it's a shared checklist. We also um, didn't want it only to be a task-based approach because you know there's there's so much of task, but there's a lot of co qualitative elements as well. So we interwove things um, in terms of tips and tricks and hints. You know, like make sure uh, you do the pilot as if you are doing the real thing, I even to the detail of you know get, make um, go make the customer feel welcome, get water and minty. So these sort of s softer um, softer tasks. Um, this sits on a shared. Um, folder in Confluence. We use Confluence. Um, and that really helped because that was there freely at their access. Um, for us, probably this took the biggest bulk of our time. 
uh, because we had many, many iterations before we found um, we were able to reach a level where it was simple enough, it was easy enough, and it was understandable enough. Uh, but I think we've, and we, you know, we had first we had a sort of a diagram, and then we tried this sort of approach. But I think that's for us. This this took the the biggest bulk of time, but it's also the one that's mostly used. So it's time well spent. Um, and then the last part of the sort of process was. We, ha we couldn't continue uh, creating uh, reports that were, you know, 20-page snazzy reports that took us eight days, you know, fantastic graphs. It was just not sustainable in this kind of a model. So it actually required a little bit of a mindset change uh, for, this, for the stakeholders particularly, saying, you know, you're not going to get these snazzy reports anymore. It's going to be pretty lean, pretty action-orientated. And for the designers as well, saying, no, it's back to conference, very basic. But for us, it... It translated into post-its, lots of post-its on day four, and then that being quickly transformed into a lean report. And so the way our report looks now, it's in confluence. Uh, it's very, uh, it's, 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 it's consists of things like, what are the key elements you found? What's the rate, what's the key, sorry, insights you found? What are the ratings? How important are they? How, and what, is there a design change that's gonna come out of it? Uh, maybe that needs more research or maybe it's just parked on the design debt, you know, on the research wall for, for next time. Uh, and who's assigned to that change? So actually someone. And metrics. Um, so in terms of time, we were able to cut it from eight to three days. So I'm going to talk about another one of the key ingredients that we think has been a real success story for us. One of the really big problems Anita mentioned earlier was the overhead of finding space to do this. And we knew because we had it just running continuously, we couldn't spend all the time or expect our designers to spend time trying to book conference suites, trying to find rooms. We needed dedicated space. So we were quite lucky, and I realise and I acknowledge that ANZ had considerable resources to do this. There was a parallel project um, that we kind of piggybacked off um, uh, another team that were developing a learning and development <coughs> academy. So our team was able to get into that project and pitch for a dedicated digital experience centre, which is what we call it. We had a number of objectives. Um, our really key one with this was plug and play. We wanted our designers to just get in and get out, not panic about all the technologies that Anita showed you before. We wanted them to worry about giving a good interview, um, be able to record really quickly, and so making it really usable for our designers. Um, we also wanted it to be really comfortable for our customers and to be flexible and, have our, and be able to be used in a variety of different modes. Um, and we do acknowledge, you know, and there's been lots of stories and talks about other companies doing this, you know, having, jumping into kind of um, rooms and with ad hoc smaller um, mobile portable techniques, and that works fine. But for us, we also wanted it to just um, be really simple and really easy for our designers. So if we look at um, the sort of things that we did, these are some of the kind of um, the concept sketches and the work in progress of the building. And um, we worked a lot with technology and um, our property team to kind of um, talk about that, that kind of feeling and the, the, the key requirements and also the technology requirements. So we do have inbuilt technologies. We have ceiling cameras and we have um, face cameras in there and um, uh, touch screens, so an inbuilt recording system, and this all makes it really easy because designers can just pick up their recorded files. We can, we have zones for live observation, and we can also stream um, that audio visual data to other rooms in the bank. 
And more importantly, um, we can bring our stakeholders in there and we can kind of showcase the work of the um, customer experience team. We also had the skills of a wonderful intern called Hannah Binfield that we wanted to call out. She's actually here today at the back. Go, Hannah. <laughs> Who worked on some really wonderful styling for the centre. Um, and just to make it really comfortable um, for our customers, because there's a couple of different variety of zones that we can also use. Like we have a kind of lounge room setting and I'll show you some images of that. So we can set it up, you can see that we're kind of in a, a lounge sort of setting down here. We can set it up like a bar so we can test mobile testing kind of in a, a propped kind of zone and dim the lights and do clever kind of interesting things like that. And we can have customers standing up and competing with low light settings. Um, so it kind of can, can be flexibly done like that with a little bit more effort. Um, but more importantly, it's become a real anchor point for our team. And it's a bit like one, what we've noticed after it launched and the teams were using it really regularly, it became something that people would talk about and say, hey, I'm going down to the Digital Customer Experience Centre to observe some continuous customer insight. Oh, and we did um, lots of team tours with executives from the bank and our CEO, um, Shane Elliott, came down and had a look at it. And so it's been a real... It's like... Um, it's like having real estate. So once we had real estate, we were like Downton Abbey. You know, we had this kind of collateral. <laughs> and Anita and Scott from the Digital Customer Experience Centre and our whole team, you know, our whole CX team. So we had... It sort of brings with it a bit of influence as well. It's a bit of branding. And, and so we kind of wanted to acknowledge that, and that worked quite well for us as a kind of a showcase of the team's work. Um, and we really believe that little things matter. From little things, big things grow. Um, we've had a lot of work on... So, like helpful tips to using the centre, like what to do if technology breaks or who to call and don't do research on your own and um, call security if anything weird happens with customers and stuff like that. And, um, and we have touch screens that we also developed with a human-centred design process. And um, we have wonderful um, filing of our dongles and stuff like that. So you can just, like a toolkit of things that you need and to find along the way. And um, one of the proudest things that we've done, we talked about that focus on um, uh, note-taking and observation. So this is something that we worked with one of our wonderful, again, visual designers, who's also an intern. It's um, Be an Observation Hero. So it's quick tips. So it sits underneath the LCD screen in our observation room. So it's the things like to remind novice note-takers and observers to you know, be mindful of things like noise, be focused, purposeful, be unbiased. So they're little tips. So it's the sort of stuff you would read in design research, academic best practice, but try simplified for people who are in so they can move from being a, um, a non-active participant to an active participant and add value. Um, and also for people who aren't designers at all, our stakeholders. So um, Scott's told you about this wonderful um, centre we had, and I'm going to take you down to reality in terms of budget. And so... <laughs> In terms of doing all this, we needed money, right? And we didn't really have any extra money. We just had to kind of use what was already there. So the way we worked with it was um, essentially uh, going to the business and saying, um, rather than the old world of the, of the business uh, holding the money and deciding, we'd probably said, look, as experts, uh, uh, we can do this for you. And, you know, if we, we're having this program and we went out, there was a lot of uh, work done in the background to gain that trust and say, you know, we can do this amount of research and, and this kind of um, quality and these kind of in these kind of ways. But as long as you give us that money and we can kind of decide how and when and where to use it, um, so it was a bit of a, a shift. Um, 
But for us, that meant that we knew uh, we could quickly mobilize the research you know, and, and decide where and, and what was critical pieces. Uh, but by taking on research, um, it brought on another aspect. There was financial management tracking against um, you know, actuals and reporting, and uh, we realized we kind of sucked at that. There was no way we could do that. And you know, there was, we just didn't, have, we didn't know the, have the knowledge or, or the bandwidth to do that. And so we had to bring in someone, someone who knew what they were doing, and uh, we brought in an expert. And so thus was born the design research operations. And we brought in the expert, Jenny, and we fondly call her as Jenston. She's over there. Thank you, Jenny. So Jenny is a whiz at numbers, a great amount of project management skills, and really persistent in making things happen. But for us, that was something that um, when, you t when you ask for research, it's also money. There's a lot of other things that happen, and Jen just makes that really seamless and works well for us. So kind of a bit of an intermission, but we have come a long way. Phew. But um, so we wanted to really measure what impact we were having, and we've tried to do this. We're kind of halfway there. We're trying to... So we've, um, and as well as Jen being great with budgets and stuff, she's great at running numbers. So we've got some numbers from Jen. Because <laughs> we are able to track the number of customers who come in and out our doors. So we do think that compared to the last six months, we've actually had an 80, over an 80% increase in the amount of customers that ANZ Digital has involved in their design and development process, which is amazing. Um, so that's a real easy thing to measure, a real quick win. Also, previously to this, we were spending a lot of money on agencies. Um, uh, to assist us, which are wonderful uh, agencies, but we know that from doing more in-house, we are making considerable savings. And the other one that we've tried to measure is our culture, because we're really interested in like how people are feeling and what um, are they thinking about shifting towards doing research themselves. And so we definitely know from the qualitative feedback that we're receiving every day and the, the sense of the team, we think we've moved more from, you know, research is really hard and difficult and how do I do it, to now I feel a bit more a bit more comfortable. We've probably got a little more way to go with that one. So we're trying to measure those things and we'll try to increase our ways to, to track and measure. The other key thing um, to say is that ANZ, again I keep mentioning HCD, but we have a Chief Design Officer now. Um, so that's um, something that we're seeing in culturally, we're seeing a lot more engagement so across the bank in terms of the continuous customer insight. And people want to kind of tap into it. Um, and talk to Anita and I about how can I observe this or how can I do something similar. So that's a cultural measure that we're just sensing. We haven't really put a, a figure on it yet. I mentioned Shane Elliott with the centre that relates into culture, but our senior executives come down to the centre and they're visiting and they're, they're sitting with us and they're, I think Shane's trying on some Google Glasses and having fun with that and talking to Hannah and Anita. Um, but the real, um, I guess, impacts are impacts on the product and impacts on our digital products. And um, we know that this is happening, and our designers have talked about this a lot, and, and we can see it happening on the products. Where it's 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 not huge strategic changes, but it's things like continuous improvements, it's continuous learning, continuous iterating, and continuous refinement. So you know, we've had payment flows that have been optimised from three pages to one. We've um, you know, we've uh, helped customers um, and helped understand how customers uh, interpret features, um, picking up uh, issues early. And, and really then it's also um, these kind of quotes from our designers, you know, in, and the confidence in the work that they've done in CCI. So this is from one of our designers, David, and he's saying, you know, with every research round, continuous learning is happening, customer ex expectations are gauged, mistakes are reduced and knowledge is gained for the next cycle of further improvement. 
So what has it actually been like for our designers? So we put together a really quick video to give you just a taste of, we used some design research, we interviewed them, and they told us a little bit about what their experience was like. So um, firstly, I'd say Agile UX. So it's really helped us to practice a more Agile UX um, approach. Um, secondly, I'd say teamwork. So we've had the whole team down here collaborating getting involved in facilitating the research, observing, note-taking on the day. And we've evolved our methods. Well, for a start, the support that you get when you first start here, the support from you guys that you actually get on how, to, how to, to run through the whole process, how to use the lab and how to step through the process from start to finish is really great and really important and, and sets you up to sort of run really great sort of rigorous research sessions. The other thing I think, um, having done sort of lean UX and lean research in smaller organizations before. Actually running lean UX in, in a large organization like this is really hard and really challenging, but this actually makes it really simple and, and, and actually um, makes lean UX and lean research possible, uh, which is no small thing and, and shouldn't really be underestimated. For me, it's basically every day. It's whenever I design something, I have that in back in the back of my mind. I don't have a doubt that I have to get this right. It's more like, okay, I'm designing this based on the knowledge I have or the research I have at the moment in hand, but whatever it is, I have CCI. So I would say just joining the dots between what we're, what we're researching um, in those larger pieces of research and what's been done in the delivery teams mm -hmm. every two weeks. Um, just finding a way to, I guess, marry those two pieces of research and really filter that down to delivery. Definitely become more empathetic. And um, I think when I'm, it's made me more aware of um, the customer even while I'm designing. So trying to think ahead and um, thinking back to the research that I've done. Something else was the, um, in facilitating, I think I've become a lot more um, I've, I've become better at phrasing questions such that you get more of a, a detailed answer out of the customer. Um, and also, I think I've gotten better at phrasing questions such that it's not leading customers on um, to give a, you know, to, um, skewing their answer in a certain direction. We're having the discipline of a regular CCI program every second week. It's just really built that cadence and helped me to um, become even more disciplined and work, um, I would say, even more lean as, as time has gone on. I can research now and I don't have to think a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Before I used to be kind of hesitant to show designs to just people, you know, outside of the team, you know, um, and now, it's, now I'm not so scared of that. Now it's actually awesome, you know, to kind of uh, yeah, put the designs in front of people um, as early as possible, mm. um, and now I love it. <laughs> Excellent. So that was good to hear from the designers. Um, what's in it for researchers? Um, so for us, um, it was a bit of it was hard. We have to admit it was hard in the beginning to relinquish control. You worry about quality. Uh, and at the start, we did see that um, as designers were getting on board, there was uh, there was a drop in quality. Um, but 
as that moved along, that, that changed. Uh, and um, the other thing we noticed as well was we, our roles changed from becoming doers to more of coaches. Uh, so we spent a lot of time, um, what we call interrogating the brief um, in the nicest possible way, but really just to <laughs> solidify why you're doing the research, what are the questions, what are the key goals, and that determines the methods and how do you ask the right questions, you know, changing from closed-end questions to more open-ended questions. Um, and that's why the pilot was really important for us because that's where we did most of our training and quality checking. Um, but as researchers, that really helped us to concentrate on more uh, strategic pieces. We were trialing, trialing out a new experience metric called SuperQ and gave us enough time to do that uh, and to have longitudinal me metrics, a program of metrics across different, pro uh, different projects. Um, and also to do more quantitative research. So just to recap, we've, we've come at this halfway mark. What have we learned? And what are the things we did and perhaps you shouldn't do if you were going to do this in your organization? So the big thing that we found was there's a lot of upfront planning. And um, while we spoke a lot about uh, what goes into CCI, and you know, Scott talked about those small, finite pieces in terms of usability testing and um, concept testing. I think the, in, in reflection, what we did is we understood it, but um, the greater organization, we probably didn't communicate that really well. So we often had a risk of businesses and designers thinking everything could be fit into the CCI. Uh, and so trying to shoehorn everything into the CCI while not really understanding that this was just one piece of the bigger picture. Uh, it really helps to work with designers who have an existing appetite. Um, and as I, as I mentioned before, um, can't underestimate the time and effort required in s simplifying and systemizing the templates so that the designers can take it up and pick it up. Um, and as, as we said before, um, just, just having an access to a budget so that you can define gaps and decide how much of money to, to, to plug in. Uh, the way we dealt with the quality and uh, just making sure that we were still being able to extract quality insights was we implemented uh, critical checkpoints and what we did was we had checkpoints along the way so we spent a lot of time with the designers at the at the recruitment brief so making sure that the goals are correct because we we feel that that's almost a foundational piece and you set them right on that part then it's 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 easier it also determines who they speak to and the pilot is another critical part for us, as well as the analysis and report. Um, and um, another thing that we often found was, and we probably didn't do enough of, was the retros, checking in with the designers, getting feedback, and how to implement and improve that process. Yes, one other key learning that we've got is that you really need to make sure that you're not putting in a program that's going to exist on top of what's going on in the sprints. So integration is the key. Um, you don't want it being disconnected from the work of um, the rest of the team who are outside of UX. Um, it's really interesting to think about this in the way that Jeff Gotthoff um, from Lean UX talks about it in terms of making the work of the UX team or the researchers transparent to the rest of the squad and the tribe potentially and using things like um, experiment stories on the backlog. So, you know, it might be like, as a researcher, I need to understand this, X, Y, Z, to, in order to design ABC, whatever. But trying to make those tasks transparent so that the rest of the squad knows what, during that week of CCI, that the team is moving, or moving up to that week and what <coughs> they're going to be spending time on during the week. Getting it into the backlog is pretty important. You don't want to have two, two disconnected journeys. You want one interconnected one. 
Um, the other things that we've been looking at is making sure that CCI is part of the overall broader picture. And we talked about, you know, like this is just a model borrowed from Forrester um, that we've been looking at. But there's kind of like three layers of reactive um, research. And we think that CCI is kind of like that orange track flowing through there. But there's other things like tapping into, um, you know, NPS data or um, tracking surveys. You've got things like your ad hoc discovery work going on and um, experiments, kind of like the other sort of crazy stuff that's going on around the bank. So how do we kind of have a portfolio view? And as dedicated researchers, it's kind of probably a more hour meant to keep across that to know what, do we actually need to throw things into CCI that we already have understanding of and stuff like that as a, as a tracking method. Yeah, so um, in pursuit of um, connected CX, that's really where we want to kind of spend more time with institutional knowledge and looking at these patterns and trying to move more towards hindsight um, you know, outputs that are around um, hindsight and insight for foresight. And finally, um, our dream, I guess, is to make every employee a researcher, <laughs> potentially. How do we do that? How do we scale our coaching? But using customer research as a pathway to en enterprise customer centricity. So we talked about with HCD and our chief design officer, almost every day Anita and I are getting requests of how do we recruit customers? How can we do interviews? And these are not people outside of CX. They're kind of like product owners mm. or people working on projects. So we've been looking at other models about kind of um, unconscious learning or conscious competence and embracing that and working with people's desire to learn. So we have a couple of key people to wind up, um, really, and they've helped us along the way with our presentation, um, Maureen and Toby, and we wanted to thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Design Research 2018. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.